This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, January 12th. I'm Samantha Sherris. After 15 rounds of voting, we finally have a Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Our guest for today, Representative Jim Banks of Indiana, received a vote in the first round of voting and joins us to discuss what his reaction was like to hearing his name, any investigations he will be spearheading, and what he hopes the Republican Party will focus on this Congress. We'll get to my conversation with Congressman Banks right after this. This is Mike Howell at the Heritage Foundation. I know how the left and the deep state operate because I've seen it from the inside. When I was working for the Trump administration, I learned how the left made our lives miserable and how they continued to think they could play by their own rules. Well, now we're taking all these tricks and tactics that were deployed against the Trump administration and turning them against the Biden regime. Through the work of the Oversight Project, we're exposing the left for what they are and embarrassing some actors responsible. We're using strategic FOIAs and fearless litigation to force these bureaucrats to deliver documents they prefer to never see the light of day. But for our work to be successful, we need patriots like you to stand with us. You can take action now. Visit heritage.org oversight to learn more. There's no time to waste. Joining the podcast today is Representative Jim Banks of Indiana's 3rd Congressional District. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Always enjoy being here and being a part of the podcast. Thank you so much. Now, the new Congress is officially underway, but it did take a little bit to get here. As you and our listeners know, it took 15 rounds to elect House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. In the first round of voting, you actually received some support. You actually got a vote from Representative Josh Burkeen of Oklahoma. So first and foremost, did you know that he was going to vote for you? Like, what was your reaction when you heard that? uh, I looked around for my mom. I thought maybe my mom (laughs) voted for me for speaker. But no, it wasn't my mom. It was Representative Burkeen from Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. I owe him a great deal. uh, What an honor to be someone's choice to be Speaker of the House. I didn't ask for a recount. Uh, It was only one vote, a long ways to get to 218 from that vote. But last week was a tumultuous, long week. Uh, All kidding aside, I think the outcome of it was was healthy for our party, for our conference. The rules that were negotiated uh, from the beginning to the end of the week only empowers rank and file members more to be voices for their district. And I I believe uh, there's been a lot of talk about it weakening uh, the speaker, Kevin McCarthy, I actually think it strengthens him and will make him a strong speaker because he recognizes that his power doesn't come from the gavel in his hand. It comes from the the members of his party who elected him to the position. Mm-hmm. So the, the outcome was good. I, I like a lot of the rule, many of the rules that were in place even before the speaker vote started, that we'll have 72 hours to read a bill before we have to vote on it. Mm-hmm. Pelosi was notorious for uh, putting a bill, uh, dropping a bill at three in the morning, and then we'd have to vote on it a few hours later, big omnibus bills Mm -hmm. that nobody could read. Uh, That's one example of a rule change that I think matters. More um, opportunities to uh, file amendments that get debated and voted on on the floor. Uh, One of my biggest complaints over the last six years of being in Congress is how rarely uh, we have an opportunity to push for an amendment vote mm-hmm. on big ish, on big bills, and that's going to change this Congress, too. Uh, the motion to vacate, that was a big part of the debate all the way up to the end. But I think, uh, and that's important, but I think a lot of the other rules changes are even more important mm-hmm. that empowers members and, and uh, will allow for us to 
push the conservative agenda that we that we promised on the campaign trail. And just to dive a little bit deeper, obviously the speaker race, we saw a lot of headlines that it was chaotic, that, uh, you know, Speaker McCarthy would be weakened, uh, so on. And, and now that that is settled and with Republicans in the House majority, what are you hoping to see the party focus on? Yeah, if I ever, uh, if I'm ever told I have one week to live, I want to go back and go through the 15 rounds of voting for the speaker. It seemed like the longest week of my life, but um, now we're beyond that, mm-hmm. and Republicans are united. We're focused. Uh, we passed the rules package with only one Republican not voting for it. Last night we passed uh, a bill to create a select committee on China, the first time in congressional history that a majority has said that China is America's biggest threat to our American way of life, and we're going to do something about it. And every Republican voted for it. We also formed a select committee on the weaponization of, of government and going after the politicization of the FBI, the Department of Justice, um, a church-style committee that I think will be very important and a part of the legacy of this majority. So those are things that we've already uh, turned the page from the speaker's race to the real work, rolled up, rolling up our sleeves, getting the committee set up. Um, and moving forward. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to do. We have to do everything we can to make America energy independent again. And that's going to be a big focus of the majority, securing our border and forcing this administration to do what they haven't done, which, to, which is to address the border crisis and the fentanyl crisis in America. Those are the big issues that the Americans gave us the majority to focus on. Mm-hmm. And now we're focused. Mm-hmm. And also, I I wanted to ask in terms of, you know, investigations, are you planning to spearhead any investigations? Well, I serve on the Armed Services Committee, and I I intend to be at the tip of the spear of fighting back against wokeism in our military. The vaccine mandates were, yes, they were lifted, but we had thousands of our troops who were affected by it, troops that were were, uh, separated from the military. They, They are owed an opportunity to be given a pathway to wear the uniform again, to serve and protect our country. And then ridding uh, anti-Americanism, critical race theory, uh, wokeism for being pushed on our troops. So uh, you can count on me to be leading that fight on the House Armed Services Committee in a big way. I serve on the Education Committee as well. So CRT, anti-Americanism being pushed on our kids and our schools is something that I hope we largely investigate how the Biden administration didn't just allow it to happen, but push for that to happen in the United States of America so that we can stop that from happening again. Um, there will be a lot of other the, the investigations into what happened in Afghanistan. I served in Afghanistan. I'm a, I'm a veteran of the war in Afghanistan. It makes me sick to my stomach when I think about that tragic day when we lost 13 of our heroes because of the the, the stupidity and the, the wokeness of this administration and the, the bad decisions that they made that led to the deadly withdrawal, the irresponsible decisions that led to the deadly withdrawal of Afghanistan, the mess that we left behind. Um, just reading stories in the last few weeks about how uh, the Taliban is preventing women from going to school and, uh, and, and the, you know, the, the, the issues related to the mess that we left there that where Afghanistan is worse off today than it was in, in 2001 when we went in after 9-11. So those are... Those are areas that we that we will investigate, that we have to investigate, and um, uh, stay tuned for more on that. 
in the, in the coming days. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Afghanistan. That was actually one of my next questions because so vividly you can remember the images of people falling from the planes and, of course, what has happened, you know, in the last year and a half uh, since the U.S. left Afghanistan. Um, I just want to shift topics a little bit uh, to something that we also heard about this week with the news that some classified documents from when President Biden was vice president were found at the Penn Biden Center. Now, CNN reports that 10 classified documents, including U.S. intelligence memos and briefing materials that cover topics, including Ukraine, Iran and the United Kingdom, were found. The president did weigh in on this on Wednesday, and we're going to go ahead and play some of his audio per ABC News. People know I take classified uh, documents and classified information seriously. When my lawyers were clearing out my office at the University of Pennsylvania, they set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol, when I, the four years after being vice president, I was a professor at Penn. Uh, they found some documents in a box, in a locked cabinet or at least the closet. And as soon as they did, they realized there were several classified documents in that box. And they did what they should have done. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, turned them over to the archives. And I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives. And we're cooperating fully, cooperating fully with the review, and which I hope will be finished soon. And uh, there'll be more detail at that time. So, Congressman, what are your thoughts on the president's comments? It would be funny if it weren't so serious, right? I mean, mm -hmm. what what uh, the Biden administration said about Donald Trump and the, the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago and the classified documents that they won't actually tell us what they really were. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing happens to Joe Biden, yeah. by, uh, his vice presidential records going to the Biden Center, which, by the way, was funded by over $60 million from the Chinese Communist Party. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a part of this that needs to be recognized, too. And keep in mind that the president of the United States has the authority to declassify classified documents, not the vice president. Mm -hmm. So uh, and then on top of that, why did if this happened, if they found out about this, discovered this six days before the election, why weren't the American people notified of it after everything that they said, mm -hmm. everything Joe Biden said about Donald Trump calling for him to be investigated, calling him uh, reckless and irresponsible for the, because of the documents at Mar-a-Lago? And he did something that's even worse. And this just goes to show what, why I'm talking about the, you know, the weaponization of the, the church-style committee, the weaponization of the federal government. There are two sets of rules in America today, one for anyone named Biden, Obama, or Clinton, and then a different set of rules for the rest of us. And so because of that, two sets of rules um, and the lack of of impartiality by the Biden administration, their DOJ, that's what we should be investigating. And I'm glad that Jamie Comer, the chairman of the Oversight Committee, has already started and launched uh, that investigation, asking questions about these classified documents at the, at the Biden Center, but also asking questions about why the unprecedented move, the very political move, was made at Mar-a-Lago and, ra and raiding the home of a, of a, of a former president. It's never happened before in American history, too. Now, just one more topic I want to uh, talk about. My colleague Fred Lucas actually reported on this earlier this week, 
And I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this story. Now, you and other House Republicans are calling for a ban on big tech private funding of election organizations. Tell us a little bit more about this. Yeah, you know, the the Zuckerbucks, we remember in the 2020 election, Mark Zuckerberg giving grant private grants to election boards and government uh, election uh, uh, uh uh, or, or vote counting centers and election boards. And uh, Claudia Tenney, by the way, she started a election integrity caucus in the Congress, which, which I'm a proud member of, and also has written bills to ban uh, Zuckerbucks or other private citizens from giving money and, and influencing the way that elections are conducted or votes are counted or how election boards are are, are built. Now, they, they gave these grants sort of in the name of COVID and pandemic and buying PPE, uh, uh, but none of very little of that money actually went to that. And 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 furthermore, something like ninety four percent of the of the precincts where these grants were funneled to were were heavily Democrat precincts. So clearly, this was all part of the left's and the Biden uh, uh, the Biden campaign's strategy uh, to using Mark Zuckerberg and and. And big tech companies to funnel money into election uh, into into election precincts that were heavily Democrat to influence the 2020 election. We should be investigating that, but we should also be banning mm-hmm. those practices and making sure that, that never happens again. Mm-hmm. Congressman, any final thoughts? It's great to be here. Happy New Year. Uh, we're off to work in the 118th Congress. I'm I'm excited about what we can accomplish. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to my interview with Congressman Jim Banks. If you haven't gotten a chance, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. And we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.